Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wegovy and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. For exclusive content from their GA ambassadors and other high-profile contributors, check out news.paddypower.com. I'm not finished yet. It took me a long time to get here. Both parents have, have spoken with each other, and, uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other, and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. That these fellas get such a shit shock next Saturday evening that we put them back in their houses for 10 years. Welcome along to the GAR on a Monday. It's myself and Conan in studio as usual. And we have two provincial finals to talk about, Conan. So we have Dr. Croaks winning easily again. Dr. Croaks are uninteresting because they just keep hammering everyone. (laughs) So we'll start with Cora Finn. um, And we'll actually have Kieran Fitzgerald coming up on the show. Um, We'll talk to him in part two. He's been on the go since 1998, so he's seen a lot of Cora, Cora Finn teams down through down through the years. But Cora Finn, ah, they won this handily enough in the end after being in big trouble at half time. Like, I mean, Ballantubber played very well in the first half. Cora Finn, I'm not sure Cora Finn really liked playing against these more defensive teams. They weren't great in the county final. Um, and Ballantubber, in the first half, Cora Finn looked like they were completely devoid of ideas and yeah. had to play against this. Three scores in the first half. Yeah. And one of them was Michal Lundy. Like, I know it broke down, but it was just him just taking around someone and blasting it in the top corner. It wasn't the fluid sort of pattern that you well, would that, see. Well, that goal was one of the nicest passes you'll ever see from Michael Originally, Farragher yeah. into Liam Silk. And Liam Silk's running through on goal and gives probably the worst <laughs> pass you'll <laughs> ever <laughs> see. Yeah. Lundy's like, what the hell is that? You can see Silk sort of huffing of himself as well. He thought the whole move was gone and his body yeah. language just sort of head went down and then Lundy just took it from there anyway it Lundy matter. took it there and there was no goal on no. and went around his man and an absolutely beautiful finish and Lundy was really fired up for that game now he w- didn't have one of his uh, better games but like I mean geez, he was celebrating in front of the Ballantober goalkeeper then of course you think right Cora Finn are on form now they've got the goal and Ballantober come back and score 1-1 to go in 1-5 to 1-2 at half time and the man that scored the goal Jamesy Finnerty like Jamesy Finnerty could have been gone off the field by the time he scored that goal it was a lovely little finish but he got two balls 
over by the sideline yeah. and came straight off his chest out over the line <laughs> it's like what a, he was having a, a final a nightmare final so he showed a lot of battle to get in one on one because they're not always easy finishes those one on ones like I mean you might think they are but they're not Yeah. and he put it away well in off the post to say his heart was pounding <laughs> he sort of went after it again when he saw it hit off the post <laughs> and it went you don't take a Jamesy Finnerty off though will you that's the sort of thing he's capable of I don't I think Ballantober like we know Cara Finn have no weak links we know enough about Cara Finn to know right throughout their team that they have special forwards but they've another they've other really good forwards yeah. Ballantober look like your typical club team that have Dylan and have Killian O'Connor and not much else they've two corner forwards that are very light but not great they yeah. might have a few dodgy cornerbacks Ballantober look to me like a club team Curra Finn are obviously a club team but they're on that higher level of club team they're on the Crokes level even uh, Kilmacoog Crokes level even Portish level there's no obvious massive you know a dodgy corner forward a cornerback because yeah. they're all, especially in leash club football it's always the case we'd always be like they'd have a good man marker or two but we've got six good forwards mate so yeah. you come to us with two good man markers and the other four will run amok do you know what I mean that's when you have really strong players in every position yeah most club teams you only really worry about two players in that's the forward it. line like you know if you can shut them down then the rest aren't going to win the game for yeah. them and you could see that even in the general play like some of the ball that Killian O'Connor was getting was Horrible! It was just bouncing towards the sideline. He had to make these forty-yard runs out to collect it, but it was because he was getting every single ball. It was going to Killian or nobody really, and yeah. Alan was obviously picking up a lot. No, that was it. But I think when Ballantubber started, started so spirit like spiritly is that the right word to use? But like I mean, they were dominating midfield. Gibbons was flying at midfield, and maybe they exposed a slight weakness. Dahi Burke looked to be put on Dermot O'Connor. Um, as a man marking job but like I mean they, they were dominating the, the boat kickouts. so like I mean unless that's a slight potential weakness in the in the on the Currafin team you know what I mean make them go along if you've got good fetchers in midfield maybe show maybe Ballantubber showed a weakness we know there's not that many I, I, we'll ask Kieran Fitzgerald it wasn't it was a brilliant second half performance obviously by Currafin but they looked very flat in the first half mm. and they won the second half 1-8-4 to four, and obviously the spark We'll talk about... Uh, there's not much else we can say about Ian Burke, really. Um, we'll talk about him in performance of the weekend, but he completely changed the game, gave him that focal point, threw the ball around really well, and we know everything. And it just goes to show, and I'm constantly saying this, he gives them more of a game plan. And, like, I mean, we'll talk about Port Leach in a while again. I often... With, like defensive game plans are easy to identify you see how many men are dropping back and where they're dropping often forward game plans they don't teams don't have them mm. but like how simple is just having a focal point up front the ball initially is won by him and everyone runs off him so everybody knows this is the most basic game plan that when I was playing with Portish I was the ball winner and I threw it around yeah. most, of the, most <laughs> of the time but it's an obvious game plan that when then when I'm on the ball Sure, everyone can come alive because they know that's the game plan to throw that around. Well, maybe with, with Leash that was the game plan and even under Mick O'Dwyer. But that's a game plan. Mm. You know, like, I mean, and that's everybody kind of knows their job within that to run off it, to make sure the good quality ball goes to that focal point. Yeah. And it's just a focal point and it's just such a basic thing. And look how Ian Burke being that focal point can, now he's obviously brilliant movement but how that can just transform how Currafin looked yeah and it's not even just where they're winning the ball because of him but it, what it does is it drags a fullback out of the way it drags somebody else along because they're panicking about this guy who's just won the ball it just, yeah. just causes chaos in the opposition hat and then you have the ball in this great area and as you said then when people know it's going towards Ian Burke they know it's going to stick they know he's going to be free and then Three, four, five people all come off him, and he can find any one of them, like whatever angle they're running. Yeah, it's odd. Oh, it, it looks so easy for him. So like. easy. So basically, 
what when players are like we don't know what our job is your job is to move the ball fast and get it to Ian Burke and then run off him yeah. like it, it, it is it, it's basic but like they're, they're tactics that have been going on for donkey's years yeah. like they actually are and it still works in the game today because I think sometimes because defensive systems have taken over so much that focal point target man is gone so mm. it's a lot of a running game now so like I mean the actual coaching in the forwards I think has suffered and that target man throwing the ball around has gone out of the game and that's why Ian Burke is so refreshing at doing it because yeah. like it's such a throwback and that's why he helped goalie so much this year then as well because yeah. he came in we talked all last year about how they were too defensive and then suddenly Ian Burke's in the team and everything changed and everything changed couldn't believe the contrast between well I suppose it can but when he came on for Corofin it was like holy shit this team is class again like, you again know, where they were going through the motions a little bit they looked leggy looked like they were lacking a bit of energy and maybe a plan yeah. then Ian Burke comes on and as you said everybody came alive yeah no exactly so Dr Crokes hammered St Joseph's Milltown Malbay maybe not by as much as some people might have thought there was 121 to 2-9 it's their fifth Munster title since 2011 so like I mean they're in sensational form I was reading Fintan O'Toole uh, tweet uh, yesterday evening and did seven All-Ireland winners with Kerry in various grades on the bench so they had Cooper O'Sullivan Potts Kylie Brosnan Nocton and Courtney all all on the bench and they go for a fifth they were going for a fifth Munster title so like I mean seven All-Ireland winners are different like if you win a minor All-Ireland you're on your bloody club team yeah like at the, at that age you're getting on there maybe yeah, you well maybe the year after it. Yeah, the year like, after it. Think about most clubs. Any anybody who's in a minor team will probably be sort of rushed into their county senior team. team. Like, yeah. yeah, if you're in a minor county team, and most clubs around the country, you're targeted to get straight into the club senior team. Like, yeah. Never mind having seven All Irelands on the bloody bench. Ah, it's outrageous. It's actually outrageous the talent they have. So Michal Burns, Gavin O'Shea, Brian Looney. Looney's such a great uh, club player. Tony Brosnan, Kieran O'Leary, and David Shaw, who's keeping the gooch off it. And we know all this. Um, Gooch didn't get on until 43 minutes we'll have to get Pat O'Shea onto one of the shows soon and find out uh, what exactly is going on there it's just I think like I want to do something on Crokes it's just they're winning these games by so much it's just the, the, the interest isn't there and they weren't on TV yesterday so they have a 46 point aggregate win over three games in the Munster Club mm-hmm. and that's now listen to this that's beating Tipperary Cork and Clare Champions like it, you know what I mean yeah like Tipperary have Clamell commercials who won the, the Munster Club uh, three years ago Cork won it last year with Nemo so like we're not talking about you know donkeys here yeah. Camel Commercials should have beaten Ballyboden who won the All-Ireland three years ago so like we're decent champions coming out of here and they've after winning by 46 points aggregate manager they're, they're the All-Ireland champions awaiting I don't care I've, said, so? I've made this call is they it are. Go, is it going to be like the Kerry County team though? Do you get caught in the semi-final now because they've had easy monster games? I don't who sure who did it meet? Oh, the two Crokes play each other now. Well, yeah. Crokes have to beat Mullen the I don't want to uh, jinx that for them. And so, oh yeah, so Crokes would could play Guidor or Scotstown. Yeah, they don't like playing the monster, the monster <laughs> champions. Maybe a defensive team. So we'll see, we'll see how that goes. But on form, like they're. They're, this is the other thing. Always the complaint I have about this provincial or this All Ireland club season. And it was the same with us in 2004. And this is always like from experiences makes you kind of highlight these a little bit more. They could go off the boil now. They have 12, yeah. they have 12 week wait. So their whole, and everybody talks about momentum, momentum. So they've built up all this momentum. They're playing sensational football. And now they go away and they take a break for three weeks. And they'll start back in January maybe with a bit of pre-season long running. Yeah. The sting has completely gone out of them. It's wrong. It's not right on players to yeah. make them go back. We st- like it's pre-season. Yeah. Before an All Ireland semi final, 
Sure, there's no logic to that at all, is there? No, like twelve weeks is an off season, isn't it? Like for for most teams, like that's yeah, that is a break, and then you start a new season. And even from a spectator point of view, it sort of loses the. the sting. I think there, it does lose it, but there's also the thing that think of what a nice feeling it is to be provincial champions and waiting an Ireland semi final. I think supporters. It's great. You've got the whole Christmas to really enjoy being yeah, champions and true. look forward to yeah. it. I think it's more of a problem with players. I think supporters like this long break and bask in the glory and look what we have to look forward to. It's the players that are screwed over on yeah, it and I'm, the management. I was thinking more of a neutral point of view. Like for me, you know, who I don't, I don't care who wins it, but you're sort of so invested in this championship and now the championship's over for ah, yeah. 12 weeks. Yeah, so. as a neutral, you'd like to see it. You, you just love to see the momentum of this championship now for the Leinster champions to play Crokes in two weeks time yeah. wouldn't you like just continue it on and let's see who wins the whole thing out and then take the Christmas break wouldn't it, isn't that so simple we should fix a GA calendar <laughs> we should, do we talk about that for a while <laughs> well, well we might have to talk about the rules soon because I've seen oh you on no, Twitter all weekend and I'm, I've been trying to take a break from Twitter and it, it took <laughs> me so much uh, so much uh, willpower not to come back to all ye people <laughs> rallying against I these rules. I was going to tweet like, to you last night as well. <laughs> I had a tweet opened up and I was going to write back to you. And I was like, oh, I don't want to get into it. <laughs> <laughs> right, so Portlaoise and Kilmacud Croaks, this was an absolute cracker. And especially even the Abel and Tober Cara Finn, and Cara Finn, like have obviously proved themselves to be brilliant uh, teams. Portlaoise and Kilmacud Croaks just served up a game that was a faster maybe it was the conditions McHale Park looked very kind of soggy which it would be in the yeah. west of Ireland Parnell Park the ground looked good it was faster it was better football played it was more exciting there was more end, it was more end to end this was a brilliant brilliant club game between Portlaoise and Kilmacud Croaks who are probably would be in the top five that are left in the competition you know what I mean yeah. at the moment real two heavyweights going at it and it served up an absolutely brilliant game I didn't go to it because uh, I wanted to watch the Connacht final obviously for the show today but it turned off my phone I uh, sat in the sitting room in my parents house and I watched the Connacht final right and then before the Port Leash match I have no way of knowing about this and the father comes in and goes well what did you think and I went do not tell me the result <laughs> of the Port Leash game but I pretty much knew by From the way reaction, because yeah. if, if Portlaoise had won he would have come in clapping his hands yeah. so I was like what stay out of this bloody yeah. room ah that's so, shit so I was kind of watching it the whole way even when they got the penalty thinking like Roger must miss this do you know what <laughs> yeah. I mean or else my father would have been in much yeah. better form so he ruined it he ruined it on me. <laughs> yeah he would have come on with a well sort of thing you know if you had a one yeah ah, I don't know I watched the the Connacht game I watched both but I missed the last 10 minutes of the Cora Finn match I was watching it on TG Cahar player and the last 10 minutes it cut to the junior Eurovision where Kazakhstan were making their first appearance in the junior Eurovision and I was like what the hell is going on here and I started tweeting TG Kehr and they got back to me saying don't worry Cora Finn are still four up <laughs> it's like hang on a second I'm trying to watch the match uh, it was all, look okay well that's obviously a screw up but it was uh, geez, actually TG Kehr we give them so much uh, credit the amount of names they got wrong in the Portuguese yeah. game was just out of control it was out of control they were calling numerous players the wrong names the commentator was and I was like Jesus this is terrible stuff mm, maybe you only noticed it more now because maybe you'll notice it more because yeah. you know every player very well but like I mean I would think in a lot of these games you know the Carafin lads you know the, I haven't noticed it as badly as the Port Leash one but the uh, the, Port, the Port Leash game was, was interesting in that Croaks looked like they were going to run away with it for the first 15 minutes they were just waltzing through Port mm. Leash had goal chances game could have been out of reach with Port Leash and this is Port Leash thinking if they, if they keep Mannion 
pretty quiet to have a great chance in this game but there was other players for Crokes really stood up forwards your man Mullen full forward looked a really good player and your man Pearson ran a muck in the first 15 yeah. minutes he was on fire and it just kind of that kind of hard running game they looked like they were faster than Portleash and Portleash looked like they were struggling big time in the defence but then they kind of got to grips with it and they battled really well in around midfield Portleash and it was only their finish and really let them down they did 9 or 10 wides in the first half and that it just killed them it was yeah. like Br- Bruno McCormack who's been our best player for the last 10 years leader he was way off form and he was p- forcing things then and shooting from long range and wide and it like it infested the whole team then and they were you can't score nine I can't have nine wides and a half and expect to be in contention against who were much more clinical in front of goal yeah and when they stopped when they stopped Nestor having those short kickouts out to the wing like every time he had to go narrow Portlaoise had a lot of joy and they were getting ball high up they were yeah. winning ball obviously got a goal and when he went to midfield they were winning midfield yeah. too so yeah. when they forced him to go down that middle they were usually winning it so it was such a good platform and you're right like it was just wides and missed goal chances there was one time they had just a chance to clip it over there was two I forget who it was but they were running in and they were around 30 yards out and they just kept running into contact you know and then Kilmacud turned it over I don't I think they were going for a goal chance but it wasn't on Kilmacud turned it over and that just gives them oxygen they only yeah. turn the ball over and the other team's tired and they all have to track back and when it's Kilmacud then they're all just sprinting forward again but that was just a chance clip it over and get back out again but yeah. just little decisions like that to seem I to think so and I think one big tactical thing for Port Leash which I have a problem with is that Cahillan and Brian McCormack they're brilliant finishers but they're they're not like speed is not one of their their strong points yeah. Ricky Marr would have a bit of pace so when you're playing your half forward line Brian Glynn Connor Boyle and Garrett Dillon now Connor Boyle and Garrett Dillon are natural defenders Brian Glynn is a natural midfielder working half forward it's always the case there's two they're, they're, they're they're too far there's too much of a disconnect between the rest of the team we talk about this at Intercounty and you have Brian McCormack and Catalan and these lads who don't have the pace to break out into that space Mm. so they're in behind their men so they're only an option to run the ball and they're running the ball and then they might run it too far and the lads are coming out in the loop it looked I don't think they're playing to the two fellas inside strength without having a bit of creativity on the half forward line to give them the really quality ball they need close to goal yeah. and we saw the one quality ball Catalan got close to goal and he offloaded to Craig Rogers who scored a goal you know we didn't see them get that kind of quality ball at all you know what I mean yeah. at all and I don't think uh, I'm not sure I don't think you're playing to Catalan or McCormick's strengths by leaving that much of a disconnect yeah. they, can't fill that, they can't fill that space where it looked so much easier for Kill McCord who had Mannion sort of coming a bit deeper and well, they had a load of pace yeah. on the full forward and Pearson's fast Pearson and Mannion's fast. Was winning ball like it just it was more just a pop and bounce into the chest you can do that if you have pace in there yeah. you know that you can get yeah. out in front but like if McCormick and Catalan and Ricky Marr are being marked from the front which we know a lot of Dublin because te- the inter-county team like to do that so you're huge disconnect and you're looking up and you see the three lads behind their men it's not really their fault that they're behind their men because like I mean if they come out to their men their men will just move in front of them again and yeah. next minute you're out at the 45 do you know what I mean so like I mean if what put manners on those fellas standing out in front of the three lads would be to have a connecting lad on the half forward line who could kick over their heads yeah. do you know what I mean and put manners on them and not let them mark the lads from the front but this is all it's all a game that kind of is played but uh, I was actually uh, interested David Nestor said after the game so he saved um, from Craig Rogers now Catalan takes the penalty sometimes for Port Leash Rogers has scored some uh, important penalties for Port Leash as well so it would have been a toss up between them as to who took 
who took that I'd imagine and then Craig had scored that great yeah. goal so I'd imagine he fan- fancied it but I thought it was a good penalty it was a well struck penalty now do you say get, keep it low and hard and that's fair enough it was a very confident penalty it was going for the top corner Nestor uh, if all Roger had to do was tap it to the other side Nestor predicted that side he went before the ball yeah so like I mean he said Nestor said after the game I thought it was a good one he says look at my age going left isn't really an option <laughs> so that's so he said so I went uh, right early so like I mean he jumped he obviously just sprung off his strong side to go that side and this was his only option like which is incredible so like I mean even to admit that I so hope there's no penalty against well, him well exactly in the final. so you're going to hit it to the bottom your, your, your bottom right and yeah. his bottom left he's not going to get down to that <laughs> unless he's playing silly beggars with us but like I mean it does it was it was unlucky I think from Craig Rogers in that he didn't hit a bad penalty he hit a very confident penalty you just give the, the goalkeeper a unbelievable credit for pulling off a brilliant brilliant save and guessing right so yeah. he guessed like I mean it would have been a soccer penalty rolled into an empty net the other side yeah yeah, and the keeper does have to guess it's a small net it's like, uh, if he does guess he can cover it all like you know and that's what he did it was top corner it was going top corner and like you know Nestor's up there anyway like so it was a, it was a good save it felt felt pity for him look you can just say hit it low and hard but yeah. and the other token like was in the top corner like yeah. you know if he guessed the other way he was in the top corner you could say it was a soft penalty anyways because I thought it was a soft penalty it was minimal enough contact I think Scott Lawless pretty much play, uh, played for it I thought did you see that on yeah, the replay yeah. like I don't think there was too much in it so like it, it wasn't it was softish like I mean there's not too much complaints either side you know that kind of way it's but very big if he's a port leash man to admit will he at the, but at the at that stage of the game it was massive and like port leash like you'd imagine like this was a free with the last kick of the game to draw against Ballyboden and send it to extra time and miss the free right in front of the goal Cahillan did now missing a penalty there's definitely there's a psychological thing building up there and for port leash to not have performed at all up front you know their half forward line played pretty well, but that's it. The work in half forward line, their full forward line, Catalan uh, did pretty well. Um, I don't know; they just didn't click. They didn't click up front, and t- they still could have won it. So, like, I mean, I don't know. It was, a, it was an absolutely brilliant game. Graham Brody's save from Mullen in the first half was Class. was almost beyond belief. He guessed that. Usually, you think goalkeepers guess from penalties, which to do. He read that from open play. He, he was man- gone before Mullen even k- kind of kicked that. Yeah, but I think he manipulated that more Maybe. than guess. Like, yeah, sort of the, his body position. He gave him that bottom corner to go to. And then you could see once Mullen was pull- in the middle of pulling the trigger, then he went down, like, you know, because he knew he had already made his mind up. And oh, it, was, it was brilliant. Like, you know, even just to th- that positioning. But then the reaction to pull it off, like it's yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. Like, you don't even realise it. You wouldn't realise it when you're playing a cl- club game. But when you are coming up against Brody you have to sort of take into account that it's Brody what did I say what I know did I say like, during the year hey you were right you know, <laughs> once in a blue moon but you know you can't just go up and shoot like you normally would because this no. guy is inside your head sort of thing so yeah. you probably have to second guess he's reading you yeah. he's actually reading he's reading the way you're lining up and he's yeah. going before you and he's six foot two or three he is cat like movement it's very <laughs> I told you it's really difficult <laughs> to score on this fella like it just really really is I thought you were just making excuses for yourself when you no, were missing against no. him in training trust me I'm not good at scoring goals but this fella I was watching other good goal scorers Catalan struggles to score on yeah. him that'll tell you and he's a brilliant goal scorer um, so Mullinahokta there in the Leinster final first ever Longford club ever so Kilkenny, Loud, Longford and Wexford were the only counties not to make a Leinster final so Longford are scratched off that list so they're in the Leinster final they hammered Aerog who finished with 12 men 
so two of them were straight reds, which is you know for stri- which seemed to be for striking according to reports. The other one was uh, double yellow, so they didn't look like they took their beating uh, very well at that point. Mm. Do you know what I mean? You're better off at least lose without getting lads sent off. I always hate teams to do that, but like I mean, apparently this was pretty competitive. Um, for the first yeah. 10 or 15, 20 minutes like Aerog from what I read were actually started better but then uh, Mulnahokta just took over you obviously had uh, Mickey Graham on the show last yeah. Thursday three interviews they did in one show trying what? to show me up here that's what, what you're trying show, to really? <laughs> oh my god I got so many texts about it like you know just people saying that was a really good show they didn't know what the difference was but. <laughs> <laughs> talk about trying to show me up though <laughs> so like I mean how can I better anything Woody's ever done in this show by actually doing one interview more to, like two is the most I've ever I'm, done I'm not going to lie after my success of Paul Mannion the last time you were off I was trying to get all these Dublin players on but there was no, no success that time so I just went with three instead three instead well listen we'll give that to you but that was it so Mulnahokta like I mean such, some great stuff about them um, did nine different scorers they hadn't won a county title in 66 years up to three years ago so now they've won three in a row in Longford I think three years ago Portlaoise beat them after extra time away in, in Longford and we're lucky to get out of there mm. um, that day so they're always like these lads are pretty decent they're pretty decent and now now it has to be said they're on a very very easy side of the draw so you had Kildare Leash and Dublin on the other side and they're the big teams in Leinster like Road are on the slide so they beat Road Mullinahokta and then beat Aerog who wouldn't be at their like a brilliantly traditional yeah. Leinster team and in the 90s but wouldn't be at the races at this stage and haven't been for a long few years so you wonder where Mullinahokta really are at to come up against Crokes do you know that kind of way or what what kind of level they're at they have uh 155 uh, members Kilmacook Croaks have 4,800 members <laughs> it's unbelievable that's incredible it's absolutely incredible so you've basically got David versus Goliath in the final um, and it's going to be interesting to see how that one how that one goes yeah like I couldn't believe like when your man Mickey Graham told me they had 26 players in the panel I was like how are you like they have 400 people in the parish so like you know that's men and women so it's 200 men and then that's between the ages of 0 and 80 so they could probably only have 26 people in that age bracket and yeah. then like are they good like you know do they like sport like, yeah. it's incredible that they keep all these people it's playing bred into them you have no choice yeah. you're you're playing with us <laughs> yeah that's it and that's it they probably know soccer they probably have no anything like that you just have to, you just have to play and that's it but just like it is inc- 155 members you're right and they've 26 on a panel so like I mean you do the percentages of that it's about a quarter maybe one sixth of their entire membership is on the senior football panel yeah. you know which is, which is unbelievable James McGivney Conan um, it's not often I have to hold my hands up and say I got it wrong it's, it's, it's becoming a little bit more frequent <laughs> it's become a little bit more frequent but James McGivney got sent off against Cluxon he got sent off in the county final then Brian Darby against Road got sent off for an altercation with James McGivney. Of course, I put two and two together and got a hundred and hundred and two, thinking James McGivney was up to something here. So now I was sent the video of this sending off incident. I won't say who sent it to me. It had nothing to do with Mullinahokta or James McGivney. I was sent it by an independent party, and I owe James McGivney an apology <laughs> because James McGivney. Now he might have been blocking Darby's run a little bit, but he's two hands out. Yeah doing absolutely nothing wrong outside of you know the shepherding that goes on all over the place and Brian Darby gives him a box of a job <laughs> so James McGivney I have to take that 100% back you haven't looked for this apology but I'm giving it to you because listen 
Um, I, I definitely got that call wrong. So you got a good dig into the jaw and you went down and Brian Darby deserved his sending off and you had nothing to do with <laughs> to do with that one. So we might get James onto the show before the Leinster final. And Don't know if he'll come on now, will he? We'll <laughs> have a bit of crack. We'll have a bit of crack. I, t- I was actually going to text you to get him on um, before, uh, but anyway. Like I had man. enough people on, Willie. I, you know, <laughs> I had a show to put on. <laughs> I had screaming baby and nappies and all to do. So I had, uh, I had more things on my plate. But before we finish up here, I have to take you aside and talk about these new rules because now we're gonna, we, we're not going into debating these because yeah. we've done a full show on these <laughs> and we both kind of know where we stand on these. I'm trying to be positive about it because I think the game needs it. You're being extremely negative I'm about being it. Being positive and about the, the game as it is. I had to. I had to. Like I said, had to use all my willpower not to have an argument with you on Twitter over the weekend because you're really into every little conversation. You were replying to different people. You're basically the Pied Piper of the opposition here. Yeah. You're basically the man that was re- that was really getting this going. And you're the voice of the player, will <laughs> So obviously, these experimental football rules were given the green light. It was four or five, so but they all went through, right? So yeah, well, they amended the, them. The, the amended kick out yeah. one got through, right? They amended the sideline a little bit. It was instead of uh, thirteen yards out, twenty yards out. So you can, if you're twenty yards out, you can a little bit. Yeah. Okay, so that's grand. So that has to go forward. So basically, um, that's it. So th- there's been a huge kind of reaction to this. Alan Brogan, uh, I thought this was a classic. Three hand passes is all you're allowed, and no backward sidelines. You're screwed, Kieran Kilkenny. <laughs> so he tagged in Kieran Kilkenny. Paddy Bradley, you think these new rules are going to be a disaster? Ulster's Paddy Aye, Bradley. There's, Paddy a, Bradley there's, no. there's a common team about the mad, no. uh, the mad, mad uh, opposition. Hang on, the Ulster greatest says forward no. the game has ever seen. Ulster says no. Ulster says no. <laughs> what would be wrong with leaving the game the way it is? Sort out, well, Paddy, I'll actually answer that before I continue on. What would be wrong with leaving the game the way it is is that attendances are down and TV viewership are down. And people are not enjoying this the game the way it is That's now. Dublin's fault are too good. Now, sort out the calendar. Well, it could be something to do with that. <laughs> sort out the calendar and dress the training to games ratio. Well, I think the training to games ratio has been sorted out. There's a load of games now. I think that's fine. Sort out the calendar. I'd give him that one. Daniel St. Ledger. This comes as a surprise to nobody. Carlos Daniel St. Ledger says it's infuriating that there be three hand passes or that three hand passes have gotten the green light for the league. Games will turn more negative. Bullshit, Daniel. I'll continue on. It's absolute bullshit that the entire player base was ignored. League will be horrible to watch and horrible to play. Why bother? So if the games turn more negative and Carlo are the most negative team in the country sure Daniel St. Ledger should be delighted with this change no but I think deep down Daniel St. Ledger knows that their defensive game plan is completely screwed with these new changes that's why Daniel St. Ledger doesn't like it and I keep saying right I have to say these are just trials these are not in I can't understand and you'll have to explain to me the absolute opposition to trying something out right now if these don't work at the end of the we'll watch every league game we can we'll go to matches and we'll we'll give as much analysis as we can of what we think about these rules at the end of the league they're not going into the championship next year it's going to take stock after the league so there's just a trial so right one league for the bigger scheme of things imagine if this works brilliantly what have we done we haven't taken one league exactly seriously in the in the grander scheme of the GEA is that the crime of the century now Carlo will be complaining that they're in Division 3 for the first yeah. time in a long time Cavan will be saying the same thing to Division 1 the only thing about those two teams are they're also playing teams that have never seen this before it's a level playing field for everyone and this bigger picture cannot focus on the plight of Carlo or, or Cavan yeah, so there's going to be some sort of like you know 
Yeah, no, that's fine. Like, yeah, I've reached out before yeah, them. I feel but, simply yeah. for them. Yeah, exactly. That their game plans are messed up. And Cavan are moving a bit away from, from ultra defensive. Carlo's game plan is screwed because it's all about transition. And we've seen their coach Poacher's uh, coaching kind of blueprint, and it's all about transition. Transition is gone under these new rules, right? Yeah, and I don't, I, yeah. you don't agree <laughs> with me. Well, I'll tell you why transition is gone. Any team now sitting down to try and work out what their game plan or how they want to play. Obviously, there is a defensive side of it and there's an attacking side of it, right? So they have to balance up, right? Say if we play a mass defence, we'll get the defensive side of it really good because they have to kick on the third one. But what do we do then? We'll be pinned in and on the third the third kick pass, we're screwed ourselves. So you have to say to yourself, are you trying to think up of a game plan that completely screws your own team over? Or will you find a balance between, right, yeah. we'll get it back on the third kick down here, maybe with a sweeper like Mark McHugh who intercepts it. Then when we do that, bang, we have options in front and we can kick it forward on the third kick. I can't understand the mentality of any manager that wouldn't think like that. They have to have men ahead of the ball. So mass defences are gone, right? Right now, what's the motivation for mass defences? Defence works because you cut down all space and you also have an attacking plan in that when you win it over, you can gather around and work the ball up the field through the hand. That's gone now. So I can absolutely, under the current rules, understand mass defences. They make sense. You're, you're completely... So you look at your attacking and your def- offensive game plans, right? So your defensive game plan has Im- been improved immeasurably and your attacking game plan is also perfectly competent by working the ball up yeah. the field. Now, under the new rules, yes, your defensive system will still work, absolutely, but your attacking is just going to be laughed out of it. You don't have that hand pass. You have to kick on the third one. You have no one ahead of the ball. It's going to turn you into a farce. <laughs> we talked about this, Willie. Really. No, but that's strongly what I'm... I don't understand the negativity. Let's see how it works. Yeah, I, don't, like I don't think managers are going to sit around and go, well, what way can we get around this now? Like, right, so say if we if we mass mass defenses, RIP mass defenses, they're gone. Why do you they play a mass defense? You f- usually play it because you're playing against a better team. And now the problem with this is that it makes it easier to keep out a better team because they have to kick it. You know, if you keep absolutely, it, it makes it slightly now, easier, but it gives you no attack. Me and you disagree. I still think when you've got a hundred meters up to the opposition forty-five from your own end line, and you got eighty-eight meters from sideline to sideline, I think there's enough space there to get out of your defense with three hand passes with a solo you know many solos you want three hand right. passes so how, how difficult is it to get out of a full court press against Dublin it's very hard any, any team with a full court press look you at know, the games like, at the weekend you uh, dummy hand pass and you get it past one person the thing opens up do you know you have yeah, space but who do you kick it to then but you don't have to kick you can solo you can, you can solo you can hand pass three times you can get a whole way up the pitch there and then by that time you can come back and kick sideways or whatever you want you know yeah. I still think there's enough space to do that but my, like we already so then, okay, so I'll just tell you here now. So then you do get up the other end of the field. And that's right? the problem. So, so there you get the, up the end of the field and you're facing kicking the ball away on the third kick just like you had hoped the other team would be doing. Mm. So neither team, it's, it's just a farce. And but you, I don't think, you see, this is the point I'm making. You think every manager wants to turn the game into a farce. No. I don't. Uh, I think... <sighs> That Jim McGinn has brought in these tactics not to turn not to turn the game into a farce, but to win a game to actually try yeah. because of, like this uh, manager's motivation is to try and win and to try and have a, a a good defensive game plan and also a good attacking game plan. Yeah. The, the, under the current rules, you can have both. 
under these new rules, you can't have both. So I don't think managers like, will want it. Absolutely. But if you want to turn the game into a first, it's so much easier. Carlo can keep Dublin down but so wh- much but easier. But why would any manager want to turn because the game into Because you lose by 20 points otherwise against Dublin. Like this, So now you're punishing Dublin who had this way of getting around these defences and but everybody realised that. But, but you won't be punishing Dublin because they will pin, say they play Carlo, yeah. right? And they're trying to attack and they have to kick on every third one. So they'll play controlled on the third kick they'll have to go back out to Fenton and these lads waiting and they'll try their best they'll have to adapt to that right mm. so if on the off chance they do turn it over sure Carlo are going to be turned over inside their own 45 yeah, but on the third kick and they're going and, and as a result of that they'll be laughed at as in is this all they can bring to the game so they've no like I can understand Carlo Carlo's thinking behind doing that because they're like I keep repeating myself they're keeping the score down and they also have a, a means to attack Without having a means to attack, they can't yeah. use that. Their, their transition is gone, and that's why they're in opposition to it. So, uh, look, I don't know. We can only make a, yeah, a definitive. Like, I just couldn't understand the outpouring of constant negativity and rushing the third hand pass and all this kind of doomsday stuff. Yeah, well, there's no need for doomsday stuff because not managers <laughs> naturally love the game and what will want to try and do the best they can which they're trying which they yeah. are doing Stephen Poacher is trying to do the best for his team under the current rules and under the current rules mass defence with a, trans- a hand pass transition is what works for him now he's going to have to think up of another way from Carlo and it'll be still slightly defensive but they'll be leaving four up they'll have to they'll have no other choice mm. uh, yeah we'll, we'll see Like the, the other argument I think probably the basic one is that you know whether like viewership is down or whatever like this still is the most popular sport in Ireland there is a you know you have to be a bit more sort of careful with it like, like it's a trial there's 4,800 people playing for Kill McCod you but know, again like, it's a trial Conan it's not in there's, I know, there, but, there's just a trial but it's a, it's a, it is an extreme trial like you know when we talk about rugby tweaking rules and stuff like rugby yeah. don't say after three rucks we'll just kick it like that that does change how the game's yeah. played and no. we love this game like we do like, well I'll, I'll give it I'll give this to you now before we finish up on this so in 2011 Jim McGuinness changed the game forever now the game that we saw with Donegal in Dublin that day bore no resemblance to anything in hundred yeah. years, right? So that was the game changed. So these rules are trying to bring it back to the hundred years and leave out the 2011 the, the way it's gone with the hand passing. There's why, like you, for example, would have been well a supporter of those tactics Jim McGuinness used. Yeah, tactics. So ha- no, but yeah, that's grand tactics. But how can you... These rule changes are to try and encourage to bring the game back tactically the other way. Now, how can you be a defender of changing the game to a completely other game in 2011? Like, it it bore no resemblance to Gaelic football that we loved for 100 years. Grand. But listen to me. But now that there's some rules to try and encourage... Uh, tactics to move back to the more attacking brand you're against them so because no, because Jim McGinn has changed the game Not this is yeah. just bringing the game back but I didn't I don't like defensive tactics but I like people it's a sport people should be allowed to do what they want to do within the rules and Jim McGinnis was playing football like he was playing Gaelic football playing it his way and teams and managers should it be it wasn't Gaelic football allowed, it, it was, was like, it's, like you know what the problem is in all our sports like 
like for example Martin O'Reilly and Jose Mourinho when they do this we just say that was a shite game those two managers are dinosaurs state of those tactics that's what we'd say we don't say change football like and this was coming well, out did, of it well, again hang on after Italia 90 they changed football offside, and you're not, like, yeah, so, but, but bring offside, in the offensive mark that's but, the equivalent but offside but they also banned back passes the goalie because it was these are little tweaks no no hang on it was mind-numbingly boring so they'd roll the ball back to the goalie the goalie take a tap might roll it back and you're like that so you're telling me hand-passing the ball aimlessly outside a screen is not kind of the equivalent of that so we've just they've just no I mean the rule change isn't equivalent to that though like, well it's it an is an offensive mark encouraging somebody when they catch it inside That's, that isn't equivalent That's it's why encouraging it but the, in soccer they banned rolling it back to the goalie banned it no you can't do that anymore right so now we're banning any more than three hand passes it's not that far different it's just complete and utter uh, absolute it's, it's like Brexit it's like <laughs> oh, we, we have a better we have a better idea we're better we have a better Brexit we've, hang on a minute wait and see that you have not been in negotiations you don't know what you're talking about with your better pie in the sky everyone coming up with these better rule changes don't don't really know. They think they have a better idea, but this is what's gone through, and let's see what they're like. Yeah, we we just love our sport as it is. Well, that's we're yeah. just worried about changing it too much. Yeah. Okay. Right. <laughs> well, anyways, listen. We'll come back and we'll talk to Kieran Fitzgerald. I said, "Are you want to get up, or you want to stay in bed?" I said, we have a game there about half three if you, <laughs> if you, if you wouldn't mind If you wouldn't mind joining us. <laughs> didn't even stir like, didn't even go for the back. Took his line, took his extra five minutes. It was like, it was like the snooze button. Hit the, hit the snooze button for another five minutes. Rolled out of bed. One seven that day. All right, delighted to say Kieran Fitzgerald joins us on the line after Currafin won three Connacht club titles in a row um, yesterday. You're on a course today, uh, Kieran. So I'm going to ask you how the celebrations um, went. Can't have gone too hectic for you. No, no. Uh, I suppose come, uh, at my age, you can't you can't go too hard. But um, uh, I meet up with the lads again later on this evening, and um, you know, uh, obviously we're we're delighted with the win. Um, and uh, we'll celebrate accordingly. <laughs> there'll be there'll be people around the country, club players who have never even won a county title, saying Kieran Fitzgerald is on a bloody course the day after winning a Connacht title. You've won thirteen Galway county titles. You've six Connacht's and two All Ireland. So um, maybe when you get to that level, uh, a course isn't out of the question the day after a final. Um, yeah, yeah. I suppose like. Um, like we, I'm very fortunate to be playing with a club, um, you know, that um, set such high standards, and you know, we 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 are in a period of um, dominance, let's say, and uh, obviously we're we're we take nothing for granted, and we're uh, we're we're delighted to be where we are. But um, I suppose, like as a as a group, uh, you know, you 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 rattled off some numbers there, but it's something that we. It, Honest to God, has never spoken about whether you have so many medals or or whatnot. Um, really uh, work hard for for the moment, let's say, and think about the next game and 
Um, I know it sounds cliche, but uh, that's the way it, it has been. Obviously, when we we finish our careers and we look back and we'll have fond memories of it, but um, we realise like these moments don't uh, for a club, you know, they don't happen all, all too often, and it could go in the blink of an eye, as you know, yesterday proved at half time so um, look, we, we'll enjoy the moment but obviously we want to stay stay in this zone it's a continuous development sort of thing for us Yeah no exactly so you mentioned half time like I mean I'm sure there was a lot of heated discussions at half time because yeah you looked in bother and it, I was nearly comparing it to the sem- All-Ireland semi-final against Dr Crokes where you never really got going in that game and he was expecting you to and you never did and it was almost like the first half you never got going so you really did need to to up it yeah, we did. You know, um, I they like credit to Ballantubber. Like they they came out as hard. They were really aggressive. We we were doing silly stuff, um, bringing balls into tackle, losing turnovers, and um, we were finding it hard to find our feet around the middle. With uh, we were losing quite a few kickouts from, yeah. from just thinking about it, and we were being put under a lot of pressure. And you know, a lot of that was down to Ballantubber, and you have to give them credit for that, but. You know, I suppose we were lackluster in the first half, and like we were, we were delighted. You know, three points down to be to be uh, just in the game, and obviously half time couldn't come quick enough. We could reset and uh, go again. And thankfully, in the second half, uh, you know, credit to our bench, they, they came on and made a huge difference. And um, the boys around the middle started getting on top, and. Uh, you know, we started, kind of started getting into the flow again. But um, certainly, you know, a lot of the first half is credit to Ballantubber. We, we we got a good goal from Mikey Lundy and to Ballantubber's uh, credit, they came back and responded pretty quickly with a good goal themselves. So um, they were right in that game. But um, thankfully, you know, the, our bench made a big difference in the second half and uh, got things moving up front. And um, yeah, look, at my... Uh, um, mightily relieved um, at the end of the game considering the position we're in at half time yeah exactly you were given the man marking job on Killian O'Connor so like I mean I I was predicting that Liam Silk might have been doing doing that job but you're doing it at 37 so like I mean you'll, you'll have to thank your manager for continuing to give you the, the difficult you had Barry McHugh in the, in the, in the county final so you're, you're not being they're not taking it easy on you as you're pushing no, on in no, your I think uh, I think they're trying to finish me off entirely. Yeah. <laughs> but um, look, at, I suppose like uh, you have to earn your crust. Uh, there's no sentiment, and uh, look, at, if you're good enough, um, you have to be good enough to do these things. Uh, you know, they pick you and they trust in you to be able to do the job. And if you're not, there's plenty of guys on the sideline um, that are willing and able to, to take on that role as well. Um, yeah, look, it was a good challenge. He's a tough opponent. Um, bit sore today. After it, you know, but uh, look at uh, it's like in one way, it's great to be coming up against these players and um, kind of uh, challenging yourself. But um, yeah, look at I, I, I'm back there, but uh, um, you know, as a unit, as a defensive unit, we get we we give each other plenty of dig outs. Yeah, no, exactly. But uh, so you were getting very frustrated in the second half there. You were blown up for a couple of fouls. I think you had a fairly strong shout um, for one of them. The one you got most animated for, it didn't look like much of a foul. But Killian's good at winning. He's good at getting frees out of situations like that. Yeah, no, he is. He's an experienced player. And, you know, uh, when you're marking these lads, you're, you have to be as aggressive as possibly you possibly can, and like you're, you're probably on the edge a lot. And you know, uh, I suppose 
I, 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 I suppose though some of those tackles were were fifty fifty, you know. But uh, like some days they go for you, some days they don't. And but uh, you're hoping when you when you speak to a referee, maybe he'll give you the benefit of the doubt the next time it comes, you know. So um, I suppose there's a bit of uh, gamesmanship in it as well. So you're in your twenty first season for Corrafin, which is incredible. I was actually looking today, by the way. You have a terrible date of birth for uh, minor and underage football. You're born on the first of Jan- you're born on the first of January, which must be <laughs> a disaster. But during your 21st season, I was reading a lovely little bit there that when you started out in 1998 with Cura you played with Ian Burke's father, you played with Dahi Burke's father, Ian Burke's father's Ollie, Dahi Burke's father, Jerry, and Ronan Steed's father, yeah. Eddie, was full forward on that team. That's yeah. incredible stuff. Yeah, and they were all super footballers, you know, and uh, look, at, uh, the boys have taken it, taken it from there. But yeah, I played with Eddie, Jer, and Ali. Now, um, I'm sure there's probably a few other lads because they, they, they had great longevity as well. They they played well into, I, I'd say Jerry played up until he was 40, Eddie possibly as well. So um, I'm probably not the only one of the older guys, but uh, yeah, they were really talented footballers in their own right and won All Ireland club in 1998. And you know they really got the ball rolling for us as a club, and then for Galway, obviously. And I think Curricklin were the first club in Connacht uh, to win an All Ireland in 1998. So they broke the mould, and uh, yeah, look at uh, I'd say the lads learned plenty after falls there. Yeah, so like I mean, obviously you're dominating now, and you have two all around clubs, like was mentioned, six Connacht titles. It wasn't all plain sailing. Like I mean, you lost Connacht finals in '06 and 2011, and you're beaten in all around semi finals in 2009 and 2010. So, like I mean, there were years in the build up to 2015 when you got over the line, where you know, Cora Finn were getting there, but they just didn't have enough to get you know over the line and win that All Ireland. Yeah, we we've had some super club teams through the noughties, let's say, and uh, you spoke about two All Ireland semi finals getting beaten in Connacht. Just couldn't get there. Um, we got beaten the next time by Gauls in two thousand and nine, and we were nearly there, but just weren't quite there. And I think we were probably a bit off in in relation to preparation wise. While we we had some really skillful footballers. Um, you know, preparation and as that sort of stuff, we were probably not up to the where the likes of the big teams were at that stage. Um, Stephen Rasher came in in 2014 and uh, brought in a good management team with Kevin O'Brien and David Morris and those guys uh, who are our current management team. Um, and it kind of changed the changed the face of it in relation to like standards and. We started thinking like an inter-county team and, uh, you know, strength and condition, nutrition, diet and recovery, all that sort of stuff really started to to uh, become part of the daily practice and um, it paid huge dividends to us. You know, we won a uh, county final in 2014, got that by Casabar in the Connacht semi-final, but we knew that there was something. We were disappointed with that semi-final actually, but we knew there was something building and we had good young lads coming through and uh, Rossford stayed with us in 15 and uh, thankfully we, we eventually did get there you know with a great semi-final win against Vincent that yeah. was kind of a, a game changer for us you know because we had been to semi-finals Kimber could beat us Gauls beat us but you know that game against Vincent really kind of opened opened up opened it all up for us and uh, kind of you know we were felt not like no longer the minnows are like sometimes we were going up and I felt that 
maybe we were we weren't too sure whether we were good enough to be here, sort of the thing. And um, when we broke that, when we broke that hoodoo and got into a final, like we we basically have moved on from there. But like, um, it is hard work, and uh, that but like uh, the lads, are, they're really honest guys. Uh, they work really hard for it. And uh, as I say, we're we're enjoying this moment. Obviously, want more. Um, but we know we're under no illusions that any any time we can bite the dust as well. You know, if we take a eye off the ball. Yeah, no, exactly. So it was a combination of Rochford coming in, making you know, upping the standard strength and condition, and then obviously my impression of Cara Finn for a lot of years is that you had a brilliant backline, but you were missing a couple of fo- you were probably missing a couple of forwards. You didn't have enough danger up there. Was it Lundy and Ian Burke, and they're they're kind of coming that you know maybe. Yeah. That was probably the case. Like I think at one stage during the, the during the two thousands, we had five. So we were for Galway. There was five starting. Like not always, but during the national league, there was five Curfin defenders on the Galway team. You know, yeah. Um, it have changed come championship, but like uh, we were we were really strong in in defence. Um, that was, that was true. We probably lacked a few real cutting edge forwards. And uh, look, when Rashford came in, it was probably like. The perfect storm in relation to we 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 did unearth a few really skillful forwards. Um, young lads were were maturing, and um, you know we still had a, a, a strong defence and like it just married the whole lot together. And you know as I spoke with the preparation wise, we got that we got that in order as well. And you know uh, worked really hard for it, and uh, things worked out. But um, yeah, that was the way. That's the way it was. So you won an All-Star back in 2001. So a lot of our younger uh, listeners won't even... Re- I don't think they remember me playing on, uh, back on until 2011. So it was 2001 when you won that um, All-Star. So it was really young, really um, early in your inter-county career when you won an All-Ireland. And then you probably retired a little bit early for a lot of people looking from the outside. Were you 29 when you retired in 2011? Like, I mean, that's obviously standing to you now. Is that part of the plan? Because you saw, maybe saw this good Corofin team on the way. Um, I, look, it's probably a bit of everything, really. Um, I was just was struggling with injuries with inter-county and I, like, I said it before, lost my lost my bite for it, lost my hunger for it. Like um, it's it's bloody hard work in in uh, as you know, like it's hard work playing inter county football, and you have to be really you have to really want to be there. And uh, back at that stage, I felt you know I wasn't uh, I wasn't in a position to to give give it everything uh, I wanted to give, and I just hunger wise wasn't at it as well. And I felt going back to my club and kind of where the training isn't as, as intense and you know it cleared up a few injuries I, I had hamstring injuries all through the 2000s and just was always an issue and uh, you know back in the training a bit um, gave it everything for my club for um, the last few years of my playing playing days and you know look it, 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 it's just the way things worked out you, I, I've been lucky yeah, as we spoke about you know being involved with a really strong club um, and uh, you know yeah when I left the inter-county county team you know I probably gave my body a bit more of a chance and uh, things worked out things worked out for me Right okay so how did you clear up those hamstring injuries as a matter of interest was there any was it just a <laughs> uh, probably uh, 
like recovery wise, like the inter county inter county training, like you know, pre season is so so intense, and you have to be at it every every day. And you know, obviously, I, I I'm a guy that works shift work, and and probably not not the greatest job shift work for recovery and that. And you know, going back to going back to my club where I, I was saying that there it's a bit more they're a bit more understanding and. Uh, uh, you know, they give you a little bit more rope to mind yourself. Uh, uh, you know, my hamstring got a bit of a chance to recover, and you know, I think we have a really good medical team with Carfin as well, David Hanley there in Galway, and uh, you know, I've been working with him as well. So it's a it's a combination of everything. But like, you know, if you give your body a chance, and and uh, uh, the body will heal, you know. So uh, look, it worked out for me. Uh, I've been looking at that thing, but um, yeah. Car- basically, Carafin allow you get massages before and after training, where you you <laughs> you, <laughs> you had to be out. I wish. <laughs> I, I I wish. I wish. But uh, I know. Look, it's it's like you know, it's it's a club at the end of the day, and there's the, 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 a bit more love. For it. <laughs> For, for you there so look at uh, things that were others I, like things have worked out uh, and hopefully they continue but um, look it's, uh, I, I've been lucky being involved in such a such a club and like a, a great administration uh, committee there and everything everybody works together and you know the the um, we're in a period where we are successful and we just want that to continue Have you a really big catchment area? I know Currafin's a real ro- small village and a rural area like have, do you have a big a- do you have a big area to pick from? Yeah it's a, it's, it's kind of uh, two half parishes called Belclare and, and Currafin it's a big area um, I suppose I'll, there's a lot more uh, talked about it than than, I, uh, than there probably should be you know yeah, it's a, it, uh, or just a lot more medevant, but yeah, look, it, it is a big area. Population-wise, probably uh, doesn't reflect that, but uh, yeah, it, it, oh, years ago, two half parties came together, and um, yeah, look, it, we, we, as I say, there's a lot of hard work going into it, and uh, underage structures uh, are good, and you know, there's, there's young guys coming through, but um, look, it, it's, it's not by, it's not by. Uh, Look, there's a the, behind the scenes. There's a lot of effort going into it. Right. Okay. Come here. Before I let you go, all these rule changes have been approved by Central Council at the weekend, and you've played since you know 1998, and you've played intercounty. You've played clubs. You've been playing for a very long time, and like I mean a lot of people throw out with the hand pass restriction that brilliant goal you scored against Nemo um, where you moved the ball through the hands I think there could have been nine or ten hand passes and it was just a brilliant brilliant move and we'll lose goals like that now I'm trying to sell the fact that losing a goal like that is a lot better than having to watch games that like maybe your five all draw in a county final. You know, wh- what what's your take on it having played across the, the, the different kind of eras in tactics that you have? Yeah, I, I suppose, like I agree with, with uh, a lot of them. Um, the hand passing one I probably don't I don't agree with. Uh, you know, like the, those those you know those intricate passes in yeah. In, in the four line, the pop passes and that sort of thing. Like uh, that's, I, I think that that's a real skill in relation to movements and everything. And and losing, like you're effectively going to lose that kind of a kind of a, a, 
uh, a thing. So like, I probably wouldn't agree with that one, but I suppose in relation to uh, the, the way football has gone, they, they probably have to try and do something. And in fairness, they are trying to, to mix it up. I, uh, I, I don't know if it, is it a pilot or, or what, what they're going to, to do, but uh, um, I suppose they have to to try and do something to, to shake up the game a bit but um, we'll see how it works uh, I think the National League is going to go be in the National League but I, I don't know if it affects our club championship uh, in, in February I don't know if that is uh, no, 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 no. You, no, you'd be part of you'd be part of this year, so it wouldn't it wouldn't really affect you. Yeah, yeah. What What do you like around yeah. club club uh, club provincial uh, time? You know, you're playing the Ulster champions. Have you been watching all those games, or do you try and stay away from it? Like Croaks are burning it up down down in uh, down in Munster. I'm sure you owe them one. Do you keep your eye out for them? I just as a as a. Uh, huge interest in football. You'd, yeah, I you'd watch it every Sunday and just see how things things are going. And I see Guido were very impressive against Crawford Glen. Yeah, like it was a good game. Um, I was impressed with them. Um, haven't seen much of Scotstown, but I I do know some of the players, so they're obviously strong as well, and they'd be knocking on the door. Um, I haven't seen much of the other guys, but uh, we would have um met Crokes a few years ago and they were usually impressive and uh, obviously Kevin Cood I mean uh, we, we, we see them quite a bit as well but um, yeah look at the the I, I would be watching like as a sports enthusiast you, you would watch any game on the TV but like uh, I, I have been following the clubs Okay, well, listen, Kieran. Thanks for thanks very much for taking the call, and you've got loads of time now to be able to relax and enjoy being Connacht champions before you're out in the semi final. Cheers, Colin. Thanks a million. Is the little dink fist pass from a crowded area into that? D, we're at home by where Bernard. I've talked to Bernard about Bernard's very patient. But this little dink ball, you know the one in a crowded area where it's a fist pass, the weight is taken over, hits the ground, and it bounces into a fella's chest, and there's consternation then in around the D and around that area. Watch for this in the semis in the final. Do you know the one I'm talking about? That little fisted ball that's just bounced in a, in a crowded area, but it gets to the, the yeah, body. You, you have said it three times. It's in around it. But you're looking at me. You're looking <laughs> well, at me. Well, a crowded area, is it? You're <laughs> looking at me with such a confused, a confused head in you. It's like I was talking about you trying to get a point in coppers or something there in a crowded area. Yeah, watch for it. Performance of the weekend, Conan. So Ian Burke obviously is the first one. He was absolutely outstanding and we've mentioned him at the start of the show. So he came on after 37 minutes, completely transformed uh, Cora Finn's whole game plan. And I was reading Kevin O'Brien tweeted here, um, uh, Ian Burke's year. So you like this one. So you won an All-Ireland Club title. You won a Connacht title. They beat Kerry in the Super 8s. They got to the All-Ireland semi-final since 2001. He got an All-Star. Um, he won six in a row club titles and then he comes back for a Connacht club three in a row so like I mean Jeez. it's fairy tale stuff really like I mean and it just goes to show the the run Cora Finn are on like I mean they're dominating a good traditionally good uh, county Kieran mm. Fitzgerald 13 county titles which is unbelievable they're dominating Connacht and they're going for tr- their third club All Ireland. Like I mean, this is a serious, serious domination. Yeah, that's that's Conor Callahan stuff there. Those achievements yeah. that you're reading out. Do you know what is? Is reminds me of uh, Thomas Muller playing for Bayern Munich. Like he's not he's not the fastest, he's not the tallest, he's not the strongest, but he's always in the right place at the yeah. right time. He has like, a great brain. He has a great football. And the one thing I always think about him, his 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 hand passes are so aggressive they they open up like, it doesn't look like the most complicated and maybe this is because the runs off him but his hand passes to somebody always 
something happens off yeah. him. Yeah. And maybe that's because everyone comes alive off him. Do you know? And he just takes the right option. But he's just like, I don't know, he's outstanding. He's absolutely outstanding. Kieran Malloy, um, who was on the show last Thursday, he was outstanding as well. He's a real energizer bunny. Like, I mean, he's a bit raw at times. And the point he scored, I didn't think he had that in his locker. He was lovely controlled curl from yeah. right to left. And I was thinking he, he's more of a punt machine. You know, these kind <laughs> yeah. of fellas who I didn't think he had the ability to have that kind of control yeah. over, over a point. Because he had dropped one short in the first half as well. So I thought, I thought the same, like maybe just, you know, doesn't have that in him like maybe just a, a runner up and down but yeah he's a racehorse he doesn't tire like and we're talking about that ground being so heavy and you could see it in the legs of the players and they lost energy but he was just sort of galloping up and down and yeah. like, he was, it was always the first one to go forward even when Ian Burke wasn't there and then you could see him like just like he got a thrill out of chasing back as well he, I actually predicted him that he was going to be performance of the week on Thursday did you? yeah fair play to you last Thursday well he's in the mix we didn't say he is we didn't say he is but he's definitely in the mix but it just shows the importance of good attacking wing backs like I mean they make things happen they're coming from deep it's like in even the Liam Silk run from deep that was spotted like I mean I just can't understand anyone that would have two wing backs that wouldn't be attacking weapons mm. why not what, what do you mean you put your man on the back foot completely the way the game's gone someone's kind of watching the house anyways go yeah. Join the attack. Yeah. Join it. And without the ball, don't solo it up the field because that's just giving teams chance. Give on a pass and you're gone. Yeah. Like with intent. You know, like two attacking wing backs, they're the most look at Jack McCaffrey. Like, I mean, all these lads, Ryan McHugh coming from deep when he is wing back. The amount of joy they get from being that having that pace and coming on to the to the to the play. It's like I just don't I don't get any team that doesn't that doesn't have two really good I'd nearly think the game's at the stage where you pay two forwards at wing back you know two like yeah. okay it's obviously better to have a really attack minded natural or defender but you know there's enough players kind of filtering back at times to to be able to just just use them yeah and like the, the chances are the two wing forwards that'll be on them either a don't want to go back after them or B like will already be back so you'll have space to go anyway like you're right like as long as it's athletic forwards then I'll make me peace with having them at 5 and 7 as well yeah exactly so like I mean Dara Mullen was very good for Kilmacud Crokes and he had a brilliant first half and like obviously Kilmacud were slicing Portlaoise over our open at will he scored 1-2 didn't know much about him he was a minor in 2012 obviously hasn't made the senior squad but played under 21 as well um, for Dublin just looks like a very good player and Pearson fella looked like a very good player he deserves yeah. a mention as well and like he's left and right and do you know how he, Pearson looks a real South Dublin Southsider <laughs> <laughs> you know, a lot of the Kilmacud I know they are Dublin Southsiders but like they're hard men but they do kind of you just look at them and they look like kind of a posh Southsider <laughs> like because in fairness um Mannion kind of has that look about him. I was as well. going to say Pearson pre- looks like Mannion a little a bit. A little bit. That kind of preppy look. They wear both <laughs> shoes and they go to the rugby and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah so I, th- I thought he looked like Mannion, but just a bit younger, not as well filled out just yet. But your man Mullen, I thought the best compliment to him was for his goal. Mannion was screaming for it inside. And he just threw a dummy. And and that was beautiful. And then Mannion just started applauding him then instead. You were already give out. It's the only way to beat Graham Brody as well is to throw a sidestep. Yeah. You don't beat him with shots, we know that. Certainly didn't beat him the second time. But even Mannion was interesting because David Seal marked him and Seal did very well. Mannion still got three from play. So, like, I mean, you're being marked. And he was, you could almost say he was marked out of it. Like, he pretty much was. Seal did really, really well. And 
he should be very proud of his performance yeah. and for that reason you'd have David Seal in performance of the weekend because going into that game you're thinking Kilmacud don't have an awful lot outside of Mannion up front now I suppose we know that they have more danger with Mullen and and Pearson yeah. in there so like I mean and they're fast and their movement's really good they have a really really working um, working half forward line or Pat Burke is in there as well we know that he's dangerous he plays uh, has played inter-county yeah I do think Portlaoise might have been not, not too preoccupied with Mannion because it's Mannion but um, like there was one stage I think it was Shane Horan's score and Chris Finn was free and like somebody was already marking Mannion but Chris Finn was sort of keeping an eye on yeah. him as well and Shane Horn ran behind him across the goals whereas your man's still looking out at Mannion and just ran behind and put it over yeah. do you know where if he had just turned around he could have put the tackle in as well no no that's true you can't get over obsessed but I suppose like I mean if you didn't have an eye out for him I know. Uh, you'd, I know. you know you'd be absolutely crucified Garrett Dillon I think deserves a mention now he was outstanding against uh, Moorfield he was outstanding in the Leash Championship wing forward Garrett Dillon personally I'd have him number 7 uh, left half back coming at the play an awful lot more he does his best work when he's actually running um, you know running towards the goal now yeah. he can still do that from wing forward but then again you're taking away any presence on the half forward line if you've all three wing if you've all three half forwards back you, it doesn't go with a game plan that I would like but Garrett Dillon like I mean it's so interesting when Dublin played or Leach played Dublin in the Leinster final he's man marking Paul Mannion at corner back like he's a complete all rounder and Catter Healy obviously we had him on the show and he looks like he's going to come back and play football this year reading between the lines that he hasn't played it for so many years that Catter Healy is Leach's man marking corner back so I'd imagine there'd be a new role for Garrett Dillon on the Leach team this year either at number 7 or number 10 so like you mean he'll probably be released out of the corner anyways because I think he has too much going for him to be corner back what do you like on, on the evidence of being able to play wing forward that well yeah I'm surprised like I, I didn't know he was like Leash's sort of man working corner back yeah. just I was just watching him thinking he was a, a wing forward wing back <laughs> you know just loads of but even like you're talking about Cahar Healy there like do you know would he be he'd be a man marker as well is that what you're saying Catter would be then traditionally with the leash man marker do you know because yeah. even him like he's just sort of holding that line very well like he yeah. plays a lot of ball out around the middle he was dominant sort of under yeah. the ball like maybe breaks. his man marking days are gone look Catter is 32 now so like I mean it's hard to stay man marking unless yeah. you're clearing Fitzgerald who's like a <laughs> complete freak of nature but like it's not as easy to stay man marking the best players on the opposition's team as you get into your 30s maybe it is a young man's game yeah. now mentally as well just oh, why would you be bothered anymore like just running after these yeah. Like yeah. but it, it, just from a leash point of view it absolutely gives leash op- options to have Cahar back into the defence and have Dylan playing so well kind of in that middle third yeah. area that's kind of the way I'd be looking at it so I'm not sure who gets uh, who gets uh, performance at the weekend there wasn't like I mean when you look through it there wasn't huge amount of options we've given nobody from Kilmacug or from Dr Croaks um, on the shortlist basically because we didn't see the game <laughs> and you know the other two the other two matches were on the television so I'm not I'm not too sure who I'm going to give this to maybe we give it to Ian Burke because he completely changed the game I think so and he just looked on a different level to everybody else I'd love to give it to somebody from Port Leash um, but yeah I think we'll go with Ian Burke and like he only came on he scored 1-1 and just completely transformed the game like I mean changed Corrafin from looking to be kind of just a average enough if yeah, I'm being honest like, like, yeah. I mean Finn reminded me of that really flat performance they had against Dr Crokes down in Limerick in the all Ireland semi-final the year Crokes beat Slocknail in the final they never got going and you're constantly through the game thinking ah it'll get going soon yeah. get going. and it just never came <laughs> yeah. they were just flat and it looked to me that they were on that flat 
kind of thing until Burke transformed him. So yeah, I suppose um, for that reason, Ian Burke. And I suppose to round off a brilliant year, has Burke won one yet? Performance the weekend, maybe, maybe not. I'm not too sure. I don't, I can't I don't remember. remember. I would have guessed that he did at some stage, but yeah, I don't know. The thoughts of going back through giving out all these bloody uh, awards <laughs> as well. I'll have to do that. Um, yeah, so Ian Burke wins performance of the weekend uh, to add to his long list of uh, achievements in the year. We'll throw Paddy Power performance of the weekend and a pair of lucky pants on top of that as well. Right. Well, listen, that's all we've time for this week. We will be back on Thursday. Um, we'll preview the weekend's provincial finals again. All right, good luck. I'm not finished yet. It took me a long time to get here. Both parents have, have spoken with each other and, uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. That these fellas will get such a shit shock next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their the GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. For exclusive content from their GA ambassadors and other high-profile contributors, check out news.paddypower.com.